Well, I, I need to know what I'm working with real quick. So just a quick question. How many of you are from the South? You were born in the South, okay. How many people are transplants? You're from up North, out West? Okay, yeah, yeah. Just need to know what I'm working with. The reason why is because I, I need to explain Southern language. I, I almost thought about doing my own Rosetta Stone for, for rednecks because it's, a, it's an acquired language. Would you agree? Um, now, I'm, I'm not going to mention Cole's name, but, but Cole, uh, when he moved here, he said, he said, there's a word I don't understand. And what's funny is I've heard this from numerous people from either up north or out west. They, they don't understand um, the word, well, well, let me back up. Let me give you the original meaning of, of this word, fix. Fix means I'm going to repair something, typically. Like if I'm going to fix the leak in my roof, right? It's the proper use of the sentence. I'm going to fix the flat tire on my car. But that's, that's not how we use it in the South. Now, we do say that, but but we've taken this word, and I like to think we made it better. Because instead of saying fix in the South, we, we say fixing to. And I remember saying that, and, and somebody said, what are you going to repair? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This doesn't mean repair. It means I'm preparing. For example, let me give you all a couple sentences that we could use this with. I'm, I'm fixing to go to Walmart's. Now, that... <laughs> You know you're talking to a redneck when they put S on Walmarts. That is 100% redneck. You, they are, yes. And they're probably excited about the trip, okay? <laughs> fixing to go to Walmarts. Um, I'm, I'm fixing to cause a ruckus. That means I'm getting ready to kick some butt and take some names. That's what that, that means. I, now, some of y'all remember this. This is a little bit old school, but I'm, I'm fixing to tell y'all a story. There's two rednecks having a conversation, and this was their conversation. If you can read what I'm about to put up here, you're redneck. If not, we, we can work with you and eventually get you to where you need to be. But this is a conversation between two rednecks looking at a pond. And one says, MR ducks. Another one said, MR not. Another one said, OSAR, CM Wayne's. And the other one said, L-I-B-M-R duck. See, that's how you speak. <laughs> Redneck. <laughs> fixing to. We're fixing to do this. We're fixing to do that. I just want to let y'all know, as a church, I believe this for our church, and I believe this for every individual in our church, I believe we are fixing to see Jesus do immeasurably more than all we could have ever asked for or imagined. That's what I think we're fixing to see. I think not, not just for... Not just for the church, but for every single person in the church. That's my prayer for you. Because you've heard me say it before. If, if the church grows, but, but our people don't grow, then that's not a win. I want us as individuals to grow because as we grow as individuals, the church is going to grow. And as we become more like Jesus, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. And today I'm going to walk us through just a step we can take in order to become more like Jesus. And in order to do that, let me kind of back up and do a really quick review about where we've gone in the series. We are studying about a man whose name, who's the main character we're studying about? What's his name? One, two, three? Abraham. Y'all listen, that's good. That's good. Abraham, God calls Abraham and says, this is where you live. I want you to go to the land of Canaan. Just walk with me. Remember? Because you get full just by walking with God. But we learned in week one that Abraham had a nephew named Lot. 
Now, Lot's dad had passed away, and so Abraham kind of took over the father figure role in Lot's life, and so Lot journeyed with Abraham and went with him. And last week, we talked about how he went down to Egypt, and he shouldn't have gone down there, and, um, but, but he still got some, remember, he got some sheep and some goats and, and some, some cigarettes and all that other stuff. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, you can go back and look, all right? So, so they come out, but here's the, here's the crazy thing. Abram, Abram, as he walked with God, he, he got blessed. He just got blessed. And so did Lot. Lot got blessed, but don't miss this. Lot got blessed, not because of his connection with God, because he, but because he was connected somebody, to somebody that was connected to God. If we are blessed in life, the reason we are blessed is because of our connection to God and our connection with other people period. You don't even have to believe in God to be blessed by God. That's the, the amazing thing. So Lot is blessed, blessed by God because of his connection to Abraham. Well, after some time, Lot starts getting a lot of sheep and goats and camels, and Abraham has more sheep and goats and camels, so Lot has people working for him. Abraham has people working for him, and they start fighting. Like, not Abraham and Lot, but, the, but their people start fighting. They start fighting amongst one another, and you know, cussing and crying and carrying on. I'm trying to speak redneck. So, so they start doing all of that. And Abraham takes Lot to the top of this mountain and says, listen, listen, listen. Ain't no sense in all this fussing and fighting. You can take your stuff and you can go over yonder. <laughs> and I can go over yonder. And Lot, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But, but that's, uh, some of you get that. Anyway, that's... Uh, that's, that's our option. Now, if I'm Lot, if I'm Lot, I'm just kind of, put, I'm going to tell Abram, I think I want to figure out how to stay connected to you because, I mean, I just keep getting blessed, and so I want to try to keep that connection going. But Lot had a different idea. Lot, this is what the Bible says happened. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. Now, let me pause real quick because there's always four or five Bible nerds, and I always love talking to Bible nerds because I geek out on Bible nerd stuff. Anytime, just about, not in every case, but in nearly every case that somebody moved east in the Bible, they always moved away from God. When Cain killed Abel, he went east. When they built the Tower of Babel, it's because they were going east. And so that's just a whole other message for a whole other time. It was absolutely free. You're welcome. East of them, he went there with his flocks and servants and parted company parted company with his uncle, Abram. Now, let me point this out. And you've heard me say this before, so I know I'm repeating myself. But the first step away from God is always a step away from the people of God. Anybody that you ever have ever known that has walked away from God, the very first thing they walked away from is church before they walked away from God. That, that's 100% that, that's accurate. And so, so, he decides to walk away from Abram, who's kind of a metaphor for church here. He's like, I, I just don't want to be connected to you. And he walks away. And this is what the Bible tells us. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. And then the writer of Genesis throws this in for us, just so we'll know, that but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. So, so I can almost imagine the conversation between Abram and, 
Lot. Lot's going, I'm going to move down there and I'm going to put, and, and Abram's going, hey, 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 boy. You got to watch them sodomites. They are, they, they just ain't right. They smoke beer and they drink cigarettes and they just, I mean, just. And Lot was like, listen, 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 listen. We, we all know what's going on in Sodom. I'm not going to Sodom. I'm just going to put my tents near Sodom. And that way, because if I need to run to Costco, well, no, no, rednecks don't go to Costco. We go to Sam's Club. So if I need to run to Sam's, I can and run into Sodom. And run. It's not like I'm going to become part of the city or anything. I'm just going to be. How many of you know that you, there's certain things you can't get near? Because if you get near it, you're going to do it. For example, I, I don't do most of the grocery shopping in our house. The reason why is because, because I am the man, and most men, when we go to the grocery store, we, we go for two things, and we walk out with 472 items, and we can't identify what they're for. We just start throwing stuff in the buggy. Let me pause. It is a buggy, not a cart. You're in the South now. You're welcome. So... So I, I, was, I was at the grocery store the other day and I came up on the little aisle where the little Debbies are. I'm just going to tell y'all, I'm a, I love little Debbies. Love them. Pause. That is not a commercial for bring me little Debbies next week. If you bring me little Debbies, I'll throw them in the trash. Here's why. They can't be in my house. You know why they can't be in my house? Because if there's a box of them, I'll eat the whole thing. Last time I had a box of fudge rounds, I was like, you know what? I love fudge rounds. I'm going to get me a fudge round, 150 calories. One fudge round never hurt anybody. I'm not, I'm, I ate the box. You ate them all? No, I literally ate the box. I mean, I, I, was, I could not stop once I started. And, and all of us have that thing in our life, right? That we can quit anytime we want. Right? And, and so, so the question I get, the question I get sometimes as a pastor, and I get some really great questions. I get some, a few weird ones. It'll be in a book one day. Um, but I get, I get some weird we're good questions, and one of the questions I get, now, I like the question, but it's the wrong question. But let me, let me put up the wrong question first. Here, here's the question. Um, how close can I get to sin and still be a Christian? Now, that's a, I got to get the question. It's like, okay, Pastor, like, like what, what can I get away with? And isn't that kind of like us? Don't we always want to know what we can get away with? And I remember when I first started going to church and, you know, the whole dating thing. And it's like, okay, how far is too far? And then, yet, and I don't know if you're from church background, but they always drew the baseball diamond up. And, okay, the first base is like kissing and holding hands. And I remember one time they said the second base is like heavy petting. And I was like, heavy petting? I get you sent back to the dugout, won't it? I mean, that, that just kind of stops everything. Ah. Anyway, I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, maybe if you struggle with that, I apologize. Everybody's triggered now. Um, but but the, the, the thing is, how close can I get to sin and still be a Christian? I, I get the question. I get the question because we want to see what we can get away with. But let me, let me just share with you a better question. And this is the same thing I say to it. Like the same thing I say on stage is the same thing I would say to you face to face. This is it. The better question is this. Um, how close can I get to Jesus? Because, because if we're pursuing Jesus, 
then it's pretty hard to pursue sin at the same time. Now, I'm not saying, listen to me, I'm not saying that if we're pursuing Jesus that we won't sin. I wish that were true. Oh my gosh. I wish it were true, but I, I listen, it's confession time. I'm just feeling good right now. I can read my Bible for 30 minutes and walk downstairs and get an attitude with Shannon in less than three minutes. My fault, not hers. My fault. So the question is, how close can I get to Jesus? And, and the best way to figure out how to get close to Jesus is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and figure out what was important to Jesus and why things matter to Jesus and, and try to become like that. So, so Lot walks away from Abram. He pitches his tents near Sodom. And then we're told in chapter 14, and I didn't really know why this was important until I kind of read the rest of the story at first, but a great war broke out. Now, this was like World War I. This was the very first world war. I mean, all the kingdoms, there were nine kingdoms involved, nine kingdoms, nations, whatever you want to call it. And there were five kingdoms versus four kingdoms, but the four kingdoms were like the ones that won. They were powerful. Think about this. Thousands of men, all the military power that they had during that time period, probably some chariots or some horses or whatever, and, and warfare in the ancient world is not like it is today. I mean, there was, it, there, there was carnage, there was massacres, they would wipe out entire villages, and if they didn't wipe out a village, they would take all the men captive, oftentimes bring them back to their homeland, make them become eunuchs, and then all the women and the, children and the females would become sex slaves. So this is... Like war, like if your country went to war, you wanted them to win. There were no protests or anything like that. It was like, okay, if we lose, we get captured, we don't want to lose. Well, we're, we're, told, we're told later on in the story, that the reason all this is important is because the victorious invaders then plundered Sodom because Sodom was on the wrong team. They were on the wrong side. Watch what happens. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies, which was very important in the ancient world because they didn't have Costco or Sam's or anything, right? So, so we're told they also captured Lot. Hold on. How did they capture Lot? Because he was out. Was he in town for like a trip? Did he have to... No, go into like, it was like, they didn't have planet fitness. They had like Sodom fitness. So they, did he, was he in town working out or was he in shopping or how did they capture Lot? Well, it's, it's very simple. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew who lived in Sodom. He went from, he went from, I'm just, I'm just going to get near it to living in it. And that's, that's how we drift from God. We, we walk away. And we, and we say we're going to be okay, but before we know it, we've drifted to a place and we do stuff that we said we would never do. Trust me, it's, I, this is my story. So he got captured, Abraham's nephew, who lived a lot, and carried off everything he owed. N not only did it cost Lot, but it cost him everything he had. That's why one of the most selfish and dishonest things we can say 
when it comes to sin, it's when I sin, it only affects me. It affects so many more people than, than us. I wish that were true. I wish the only person it affected that was me, but it just, it, our sin affects other people. So, so this, this is a little bit, this is a little bit insane. Now, at this point, somebody had to go tell Abram. Who's going to let Abram know? They didn't have social media. Why well, couldn't shoot him a text and say, hey man, pray for me. So watch what happens. This is so cool. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living, watch this, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, the Amorite. Isn't that redneck? Hey, Abram, where you live? Oh, I live down near the oak grove near Mamre, the Amorite. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. His mom and them got a place down there, and I just, just right next to them. Oh, by the way, um, his relative Eshko and Aner, they're they're there too. We're buddies. We hang out. Somebody makes it back to Abram, lets him know that Lot's been taken captive. Now, Abram's got a couple options, just like we have options. Abram could have said, I told that boy, I told him, don't go down there. If you go down there, Next thing you know, you're going to be in the city. Next thing you know, you're doing stuff you shouldn't supposed to be doing. You're going to get taken captive by the devil, and he's just going to drag you off to hell. And you know what? He got what he deserved. He got what he deserved. Now, let's be honest for just a second. Number one, all of us have said that about people before in our life. Just when we get in that little judgmental zone. I don't know if you've ever been in the judgmental zone. He got what he deserved. But at the end of the day, we all better be glad that we don't get what we deserve. Right? I'm just telling you, I'm glad I don't get what I deserve. Um, he could have said, he could have said, oh my gosh. Ah, oh, my heart's, you know what? Bring me, bring me my, bring me my phone. What are you doing? Hold on for a second. I'm on social media. So sad about what has happened to Sodom and my nephew. Hashtag pray for Sodom. Hashtag pray for Lot. There. Oh, it's quiet. We do that, right? Like a a tragedy hit somewhere, and it's like we sprint to our phones to prove to the world how godly we are by putting up a picture of the tragedy and hashtagging to pray for it. That is the dumbest thing in the world. It's basically saying, look at me, look at me. I've always said instead of like, like, like if a hurricane hit somewhere, instead of hashtag, why don't we just like get some trucks together and send them some water? That's, that's like action. But, but a, lot of, a lot of people would rather pray about something so they don't actually have to do anything. And that's why Abraham said, you know, we're going to call prayer meeting. We're going to pray for life. Now, I'm not saying prayer is not important. I, prayer is major. We got to pray. But when we pray and we don't participate, it's like we sit on our blessed assurance and expect God to do it all. Well, I could have said, I mean, Abram could have said, you know what, guys? I'm sick and tired of people getting taken captive. We're going to start a Bible study on how to not get taken captive by the enemy. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. The only problem is they only, 14 chapters into the Bible, they didn't even have anything. So, but, but we do that sometimes as Christians. We, we will Christianize ourselves so much 
And what actually needs to happen is a rescue operation. If, you're, if we're gonna follow Jesus, let me just say, we gotta be on a rescue operation because he did not come from heaven to earth because he had nothing to do. It's what you call a rescue op- operation. So, so I love this. Some of y'all have been wondering where I was gonna get the title. This is where I got the title of the message from. Y'all remember what the title is? What's the title of the message? Hold my beer. There's no way you found that in scripture. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men. Okay, pause right there. Talk about a security team. He had 318 trained men. That's legit, isn't it? And somebody are like, that's a, that's a lot. Minimum, the army that he's going to face, minimum 10,000. So, I, like I was watching TV last night and I just rolled my eyes because there's another freaking John Wick movie coming out and I can't watch John Wick. First of all, it's Keanu Reeves and ever since Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I can't take him seriously. But in the first John Wick, you know what I'm talking about? In the first John Wick movie, he killed everybody in the world twice. Like I, in the second one, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Now, there's nobody left to kill. Now, I don't care if you got 318 John Wicks, if you're going up against 10,000 people, can we all agree that's not good odds, yes or no? Yeah, that's not, those are not great odds. Those are not great odds. So, so 318 men who have been born into his household. Then he pursued Ketamar's army. Y'all notice I said that fast and quick. I don't know that's how you say it, but when you're teaching the Bible, if you say something fast and quick, people think that's how you pronounce it. I almost said Baltimore because that's what it kind of looks like. But <laughs> until he caught up with them at Dan. This was, this was a 250-mile journey one way. So let's back up. Abram was like, wait a minute. Cat Lamar's army came in. Captured Sodom. Took Lot. He's got 10,000 men. I got 318. I'm 80 years old. I'm gonna have to travel 250 miles just to fight for the opportunity to get Lot back. Hold my beer. <laughs> that was his attitude. He was just like, I'm, I'm gonna go after. Now, at the end of the day, let's stop and ask ourselves, does this make sense rationally? Yes or no? No. But Abraham knew that God was with him. And when you know that God is with you, it doesn't matter if you have 31 or if you have 18 or if you've got one or if you've got eight or if you've got three, it doesn't matter. If you got God with you, then you are on the winning team. So, so what, we, what we see here, what we see here is Abram, right here in the scriptures, very early, 14 chapters in. Actually, it appears before this, but, but I want to make, Abram understood something that, I want, that we need to understand as followers of Christ today. And it's this, lost people really do matter to God. Lost people matter to God. 
The reason I would teach a message like this is because if we want to become like Jesus, then what's important to Jesus needs to become important to us, correct? So Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save those that were lost. In Luke 15, he tells the parable of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. It's the only time in the scriptures he told three parables about the same subject, um, three, three parables in a row. Lost people really do matter to God. It's great, Pastor Pete. What's that got to do with me? Glad you asked. Lost people really do matter to God, therefore they should matter to the people of God as well. In other words, it should bother us that there are lost people in this world. It should bother us. You see, if, if what would have happened then happened today, a lot of churches would, would have been protesting around Sodom and protest and, and saying that's, you know, Lot's just getting what he deserved and he's, he's getting judged by God. But at the end of the day, if lost people matter to God, then lost people have to matter to us. What I'm saying is, how many lots do you know in your life? They used to be close to God, but they walked away. Hey, let's get more personal. How many lots are in this room? I'm not asking that. I don't have a judgmental heart. I'm so glad you're here. There was a time you were closer to God than you are today, and he didn't move. And the, and the reason you're listening, the reason you're hearing this message today is God saying, you can, it's, it's God being like Abram pursuing you to come back home. I love this. I love this story because who do you know, who do you know that needs to come back to Jesus? Who do you know that needs to come back to church? Now, if people are popping in your mind right now, I want to help you. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not the devil. If you're looking at your phone, that's the devil. All right, just, I just busted some of y'all. There he divided his men and attacked during the night, which is a brilliant military strategy, but it didn't matter because there were 10,000 people. You saw, I mean, but he's looking for every advantage he can. Watch this. Ketamar's army fled. <laughs> I love this. Abraham was straight redneck because he marches into the camp. They are kicking butt and taking names. The army takes off. What do most people do? Yeah, don't come back or I'll give you some more. Abram's like, uh-uh, we ain't done, boys. Let's go. And it chased him as far as Hoba, north of Damascus. In other words, Abram's like, uh-uh, we ain't, we ain't letting up on this guy. Now, looking at this, it reminded me, <clears throat> uh, Karis, my daughter, she, she's, she's 15 years old. And, you know, when she was growing up, we wanted her to, like, we, we said, hey, you pick your thing, and, and I'll support you and whatever you do. So she did tennis, and she did karate, and, and then she did acting. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope she doesn't love this. And she did. So, so she, because she, she loves, and she's good. I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all she's good. I'm, I'm biased, but she's good. And she started singing and doing voice lessons, and it was amazing. And I, I, as I look back on that season where she was growing up, you know why? I think one of the reasons she loved acting so much was God's mercy on me. Here's why. 
Because if she had done, let's say basketball. If she had played basketball, I'd have been like, I'd have been coach dad. Because I, I love that. I love sports. And I'd have been coaching the team. And then, let me push pause. Every once in a while, on a slow news cycle, you'll see a story in some newspaper that's lamenting the fact that one coach of a little league team beat another little league team in basketball 82 to four. Y'all seen this? And they're mad at the coach that scored 82 points. And I'm mad at him too because he should have scored 100. I'm like, run up the freaking score. It's not your job to make the other team feel good. If you got the opportunity, run up the freaking score. And it caused me to kind of go back and look at the worst defeat or the greatest victory, whichever we want to look at it in college football ever. True story, in the early 1900s, Georgia Tech played Cumberland College, and the final score was 222 to nothing. I'm like, yeah! Now, Georgia Tech, since 1906, hasn't scored 222 points com com combined. I mean, they, they, they just don't score on offense. But at, at the end of the first quarter, if I'm Cumberland, I'm like, you know what? I'm out. You guys are good. Here's my helmet. Here's my hair. You know what? Just take that. Can, that that's, that's what you call a butt whooping. Amen? Hey, guys. The church is not called to play defense. We're not called to get freaked out about what's going on in the White House and who's going to win the midterms and who's going to do this and who's going to do that and, and all the politics and, oh, my gosh, we got the COVID and we got the COVID variant. And we got this. You know what? We're supposed to play offense. Jesus called us to reach the world because when people meet Jesus, he changes them from the inside out. And when he changes somebody from the inside out, it changes a city, a community, a state, a nation, and eventually the world. And that's what we're called to do. That's why Second Chance will have more than one campus one day. I'll tell you all about it, and I love my church. So, so the story continues. Watch this. Abram recovered some of the goods, all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. I love the fact that the writer of Genesis includes this because in ancient literature, nobody really talked about the women. But here, the writer says he, he took, he literally walked into the enemy's camp and he took back what the enemy stole from him. It reminded me when I was a kid, I lived in the country and there was a trailer park near my house. And I was friends with just about every kid my age in the trailer park. One day I came home and my bicycle was gone. I loved my bicycle. I was always on that thing. Back in the days when we rode without a helmet. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all are like, that's what's wrong with you. You didn't have a bike helmet on. No, I didn't. And I remember that day I came home and I, I, my bicycle was gone. And I knew who took it. It was Tommy and Michael in the trailer park because they always talked about my bike. I like your bike. I like your bike. I look to have a bike like that. I asked people, what'd you do? I went and got my bike back. 
I didn't, I didn't call my mom. I didn't call my dad. I didn't pray for my bicycle. I didn't do a Bible study on how to recover stolen bikes. <laughs> I went and got my bike back. Pastor Pete, was there violence involved? A little. But I got it back. The reason I mention that is because somebody needs to hear this today. In Christ, you can walk into the enemy's camp, take back what he took from you. In Christ, there's no reason. You, you, can, you can walk into the camp and say, I, you took my joy. Devil, you took my joy. But you know what? Not today. You're going to give it back because Jesus Christ lives in me. And I've got a reason to be filled with it. You know what? You're going to give me back my peace. You're going to give me back my hope. You're going, you, you're going to give it back. And some of us need to be like, you're going to give back my son. You're going to give back my daughter. You're going to give back my husband. You're going to give back my wife. You're going to give back my friend. Because I believe, I believe some things are fixing to happen around here. Let me share it with you. I think... I think we're fixing to get serious about what Jesus is serious about. We're, we're going to grow and reach more people for Christ. And, and let me just newsflash, newsflash, I got to say this, just, just to kind of cut down on the emails this week. I'm not in it for the numbers, and I don't give a rat's rear end if I ever appear on another magazine or news. I don't, all that stuff is, I, listen, I've had all of it. I don't care about it. I want to see people meet Jesus and more people meeting Jesus is a good thing. And if that's not your heart's desire, this probably isn't your church. I think, I think we're fixing to fight for people that have been taken by the enemy. I think we're fixing to do that. And we're seeing that happen. Um, it's so funny. In the first timers area, every week I, I get to hear some amazing stories. And just a few, just a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, a guy came in there, and uh, he was like, "Man, I loved your service." I said, "Man, thank you so much." He said, "Yeah, but I don't believe in God or Jesus." I was like, "Oh, so you're like an atheist?" He's like, "Mm-hmm." And I said, "And you loved our service?" He was like, "Oh yeah." I was like, "Dude, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life." I, I know we're like, okay, if I, A, piss a Christian off and B, have an atheist love the service, that's a win for me. I go home and I'm happy. For those of you who just got upset that I said the word piss, that was you. Okay, you just work on it. Just check your heart. Just check your heart. So he said, he said, I'm really, I'm I'd kind of like to talk to you about this whole God or Jesus thing. And I said, yeah, man, I just uh, shoot me an email. We'll get together. And I'm not, I'm not going to say his name. We're just going to say his name was Mike. I'm just going to call him Mike. And so Mike and I got together on this past Friday, and I texted a bunch of my friends. Um, and I just said, hey, pray for Mike. He's an atheist. And, um, and, and we sat down for about two hours. And I the, listen, it was so awesome because after I got done with lunch, I got in my car. I couldn't. I couldn't hardly contain myself and I was just texting my friends and I said, hey, thank you for praying for Mike. He's not an atheist anymore. He gave his life to Christ. But let me tell you, 
Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you who the hero of that story is, because it's not me. He, he, I, he, he had a family member that for years would not give up on him. He was a lot that had been taken captive. And this family member kept pursuing him and kept loving him and kept, kept drawing. And you know what? He gave his life to Christ. And that family member found out in the 915 service this morning. That's a, that's a, that's a good day. That's a good day. I think, I, think, I think we're fixing to experience victories that only come from God. I think this fall... There's going to be, not just for the church, but for individuals, you're going to see breakthroughs in your life that you never thought that you would ever experience. I think that we're fixing to make a difference in the community unlike anything anyone has ever seen. Because I think when somebody gives their life to Jesus, when Jesus is at the center, life gets better. And when life gets better for individuals, life gets better for the individuals in that community. I think Anderson, South Carolina will be a different place because of what Jesus does in the lives of the people in this place. I think, I think we're, Jesus is fixing to save a lot of people in this place. I think we're going to see a, an awakening this fall. I think we're going to see salvation. Do you know we've never had a Sunday that Jesus didn't save somebody? But, and I post it on social media every Sunday night, but those numbers, you are going to see them go up. We bought a second baptism tank for the net. We might have to buy a third or a fourth. It don't matter. I think, I think Jesus is fixing to heal a lot of people in this place. There are people in this room. You've carried anger, bitterness, hurt, and shame far too long. I don't know what God's will is for your life, but I know God doesn't want you carrying that crap. And I know you can be healed from it. I believe it's fixing to happen. I believe, I believe Jesus is fixing to restore a lot of people in this place. I know a thing or two about this. Your life's not over. In fact, in Christ, it's just started. And last but not least, I believe Jesus is fixing to bless a lot of people in this place. I love this place. I love this church. God has called us to reach people far from God. And all of us need to be thankful because at some point, we were the lot in somebody else's life and somebody came after us. Let's be the church that goes after Lot rather than protesting, condemning, or criticizing him. Amen. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, I just want to thank you today for letting us be in this place. I want to thank you for every single person in this place. God, we are not here by accident. We are here by providence. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe, maybe your, maybe your lot Maybe there was a time you were closer to God than you are right now. I'm not trying to get you to feel shame. I'm just trying to let you know that God's mercy is letting you hear this message so you can take a step back towards him today. And maybe that's what you need to pray right now. Just, God, I want to come back. I want to, I want to take a step back towards you today. Maybe you're here this morning you've never prayed to receive Christ. You have never prayed to receive Christ. And today you understand Jesus came on a rescue mission to save you. You need Christ in your life. You'll be forgiven, healed, restored, all that. Like Jesus wants to take you and make you into a brand new person, spiritually alive. 
And if that's you and you want to give your life to Christ today and then right where you stand right now or watch it online, I want you to pray just in your heart. Just pray, Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, all over this room, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, if you literally just asked Jesus to come in your heart and you cross over from death to life, I want you to do me a favor because I want to pray for you. I want you to put your hand straight up in the air and leave it up for just a second. Amen, sir. Thank you so much. That was quick. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? All over the room, all over the room. If you're online, you can put your hand up. Father, I want to thank you for these hands that are in the air. I want to thank you that you changed lives. I want to thank you for an environment where people can walk in and we can know, Jesus, that you'll meet us where we are, but you love us too much to let us stay there. Father, I want to thank you for the change that you're going to do in our lives. I want to thank you for the healing that you're going to bring forth in our church. I want to thank you for the blessings you're going to bring forth. God, we declare that we believe that you are Lord and you are healer and you are master and you are savior. We love you. We bless your name in this place. And everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Because I'm glad. We'll see y'all next week for part four. God bless.